is from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land. He took pity on his people. And the Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain and new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before Jesus is about to be crucified and he comes into Jerusalem uh, looking to take steps towards the cross. As he's doing this, people catch word that Jesus is coming, their Savior, and the response to this is overwhelming. The people of Jerusalem have decided they're going to get palm branches. Palm branches are a symbol of victory. As Jesus is riding in, his people, his followers, those who believe him to be the Messiah, are looking to raise up to him, to show him that they believe that he is there to redeem them, to take them out of the hands of tyranny. The belief of Ash Wednesday comes from an idea of sacrifice an idea of change. So we take these symbols and we burn them. We take away what we thought was one thing and Jesus turns it into another. So what we do is we take the branches from the Palm Sunday of the previous year and we take them and we burn them, take the ashes, and we combine them with something like uh, 
an anointing oil or, or holy water to create a paste. And with this paste, we mark the foreheads of those of us who are coming to remember Lent. We're coming to remember that Christ made the ultimate sacrifice. And so for us, 40 days of, of being able to let go of something that we enjoy, something that we look at as a luxury. Um, it's just a small sacrifice, a small reminder of the sacrifices and the things that Jesus did for us. Palm branches and ashes, they're just symbols, but they're symbols that help us re remember. They remind us that Jesus' sacrifice was bigger, stronger, wider. And so for that, we choose to go throughout our day with an ash cross on our forehead. The tradition of Ash Wednesday poses a very simple question for us to ponder tonight and to pray. And that question is, who do I desire to become? Who do I desire to become? Now, on the surface, that question sounds an awful lot like a New Year's resolution question. It's the same thing we often ask at the beginning of the year, and then we come up with these goals to achieve where we're going. And so... Ash Wednesday falls at a fitting time, I think, because after two months, how many of us here have failed to live up to our New Year's resolutions? It's a night of confession, so let's be honest. Statistically speaking, that's most of us, except for those of us who have given up on making them to begin with. It doesn't mean that we don't still ask the question, who do I desire to become? And that's part of the reason why we're here on an extra day, an extra night here in church, and why we set apart this season we call Lent. It's to make space to ask such questions. And to answer this question, we actually have to ask ourselves another question, and that question is, where have I been? And where have I been is what tonight is for. Tonight is Ash Wednesday, and it reminds us of the cross that will be placed on our foreheads, where in Genesis 3 we read that we come from dust, and to dust we shall return. And our reading for this evening, and nearly every Ash Wednesday, comes from the Old Testament prophet Joel. Now, very little is known about Joel, but his message is super clear, and it's timeless. He's speaking to ancient Judah, part of the people of Israel. And in just the three short chapters of this book, it can really be broken down into three questions. Where have I been? Where am I right now? And who do I desire to become? And so I want to pose the first question. Where have I been? Think about that question for yourself. People of Judah, where had they been? They, they had just gone through a horrible invasion of locusts. Now, if you don't know what a locust is, it's sort of a grasshopper-looking um, insect there, you see? It's kind of cute, right? Anybody want to take one home for a pet? The moms are all like, no, and the kids are like, really? Do you have one? No. They're innocent-looking enough, but when they come in numbers, it can be devastating. One swarm of these little guys 
can cover 460 square miles and can include 160 million locusts every square mile. And these swarms are absolutely nuts because one of the things that they like to do when they swarm is they like to eat each other. They're cannibals. And when they're not eating each other and running away from one another, they're eating plants. And each one of these little creatures can eat its own weight in plants every single day, which means a swarm of locusts has the potential to wipe out 423 million pounds of plants every single day day. And now you can appreciate why God uses locusts as one of the plagues to pressure the Egyptians when Moses calls out to Pharaoh to let God's people go. Even today, locust plagues are considered a natural disaster, and they still pose a threat to 10% of the world's population. And so we go back to the prophet Joel, and we learn that this is where these people have been. And the prophet is suggesting that this invasion of locusts represents something deeper. He says it represents the past sins of the people who have experienced it. It represents where they've been. And he says it's a warning for them that they shouldn't move too quickly beyond without learning from. Joel chapter 1, a chapter before our reading, it goes like this, verse 2. He says, hear this, you elders, listen all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children. Let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. In other words, this experience of this locust plague was so devastating, Joel says you have the responsibility to warn future generations. But then he gets personal in verse 5. He says, wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you drinkers of wine. Wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. Now you think, okay, Joel, why are you pointing out the drunkards? Why are you pointing out that one particular sin, and why does he suggest that they're the ones who need to weep? Well, it's pretty simple, really. Locusts eat plants, and wine is a fruit of the vine, right? It's a fruit of the plants. And these people have been overly dependent on the fruit of the vine. That's the definition of drunkard, but it's also the definition of sin, really. It's It's making something God made into something that it was never meant to be. It's depending on the good gifts of God instead of depending on God himself. And so insert money, insert materials, insert uh, power, insert achievements, food, sex, comfort. God made grapes. God made wine. But he never intended for the people to use it as a crutch. And that's exactly what they were doing. And so what happened was it got snatched from their lips. And then, when that happened, where did they turn? Where would they turn for peace and comfort and happiness? Verse 10, the fields are ruined, the ground is dried up, the grain is destroyed, the new wine is dried up, the olive oil fails. Despair, you farmers, wail, you vine growers, grieve for the wheat and the barley. Because the harvest of the field is destroyed, the vine is dried up, and the fig tree is withered, the pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, and all the trees of the field are all dried up. Surely the people's joy 
is withered away. And what we learn is that Joel isn't talking about the plants anymore. He's talking about what happened when it all went away. When it all went away, they lost their joy. And so I want you to go back to the question that I asked you just a few minutes ago. Where where have I been? Think about that for yourself. Where have you been? See, I think one of the chief reasons that most of us fail so often to accomplish our New Year's goals is that we don't ask that question. New Year is all about the future, right? It's all about what's coming ahead. But the problem is if we don't consider where we've been, if we don't consider what we've done, if we don't consider the places we've gone before we got to this place, before we look ahead to the future, what we will ultimately try to do is we will try to pour all the blessings of God. We will try to pour out this new life we want God to give us, this new purpose, this new healing, this new all of these things into our old wineskin. And Jesus teaches this in the Gospel of Mark. He says this is what happens, Mark chapter 2. He said, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the piece will pull away from the old one and it will make the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into the old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. Both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, friends, God wants each of us to experience new wine. He wants you to drink from the vine that is connected to him, to to drink wine that will never leave you thirsty, that will never be snatched from your lips, the new wine of forgiveness and grace and hope and joy. But in order to receive it, you got to let go of the old wineskins. You got to let go of whatever it is that you're holding on to from the past so that God can make you into the person that he desires you to be in the future. You've got to let go of the old wineskins, and that's what Ash Wednesday is about. Tonight is about letting go. It's about asking ourselves right now in prayer, what is my wine? And so why don't you close your eyes with me right now, and, and let's ask God that question right now. Lord God, what is wine to my lips? What is that thing that I turn to that when it goes dry, that when I don't have it, I lose my joy? What are the things that I constantly reach for to bring me comfort and peace? Things that are not you. God, for some of us, I know it is wine. For some of us, maybe it's money or lust or power. What is it? It might be something completely different for each and every one of us, but we know what it is because when it gets snatched from our lips, we lose our joy. You can open your eyes. 
In the New Testament, we read about the progression of Lent that we're invited into from the book of Hebrews, what Joel is inviting these ancient Israelites into. Hebrews chapter 12 goes like this. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God friends the cloud of witnesses includes those who listened to Joel's ancient call to learn from their past Joel said in chapter 2 even now declares the Lord return to me with your whole heart with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your hearts and not your garments. In the ancient Hebrew, the, the word rend literally means to tear out, to tear out. It's a, it was a common way of lamenting over things, to, to tear your shirt and to sit in ashes. But God is doing something deeper here. He's not interested in changing how we look on the outside. He's changing us from within. God doesn't want to change your shirt. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change you from the inside. And so ask yourself the question, where have I been? And are you ready to tear out your old heart so that God can place a new one inside of you? One made of new wineskins, one that is capable of containing the new person that God is desiring each of us to become. One of the ways that we rend our hearts as a matter of tradition here at St. John's is, is we take out that sheet that we were given that says, my sin. So if you would do that right now, take it out and, and tear it apart. And what you're going to do as our musicians are coming forward is, is you're going to spend the next few minutes with God and, and you're going to write the things in your life that you turn to that are not God, the old wineskins the things that you've depended on, the things you've done, the things you failed to do, is there something you feel guilty about that you bear shame over, that you desire to seek victory within? Write those things down on this sheet of paper. Whether you did it today, this week, last year, 20 years ago, Write it down and know that nobody will see these. When you come up in just a few minutes for the imposition of ashes, you'll place it right here and we will burn them before you. So be honest before God. Be honest with yourself. What are your old wineskins? Write them down as we listen.